1991, and America's got a new catchphrase thanks to a new Pepsi ad. You know when it's right. You know when you feel it, baby. You hold it. You hear it. You taste it. It's right. Ray Charles' uh uh-huh becomes the hip new refrain everywhere from school cafeterias to boardrooms. Everywhere except the Atlanta headquarters of Coca-Cola, that is. For Coke chief executive Roberto Guisueta, uh uh-huh is the final straw. Tell me, why does Pepsi always have the best ads? Coke hasn't produced a landmark campaign for years. The bounce the company got from Coca-Cola Classic is fading. Meanwhile, Pepsi's rising again and still outselling Coke in supermarkets. Chief Operating Officer Don Keough feels the pressure, too. It's time to turn up the heat on McCann Erickson. Their ad team has to do better. Quisueta hasn't been too happy with them, either. And he's been reading about CAA, a Hollywood talent agency that's hoping to shake up the advertising world. Maybe putting Madison Avenue and Hollywood together will create something special. So he orders McCann Erickson to work with CAA on Coke's next campaign. It's October 1992 at Coke's Atlanta headquarters. Creatives from McCann Erickson and CAA are in a conference room ready to pitch their ideas. They're supposed to be collaborating, but they both know this is a fight to the death. At stake is Coke's $600 million a year advertising account. McCann Erickson's team is confident. They think CAA is full of hot air with their pretentious claims that they don't make ads, they make many movies. The McCann Erickson team exchanges knowing glances and sly smiles. They're all thinking the same thing. Where's the sell? Where's the drink Coca-Cola moment? But then they notice Keo. He's grinning and bouncing in his chair to CAA's always Coca-Cola tune. Next up are some huggable CGI polar bears gathering to watch the northern lights, like the North Pole's some vast outdoor theater, and they're happily drinking Coca-Cola. Keo leans forward. He's 66, but as wide-eyed and delighted as a kid on Christmas morning. A McCann Erickson man slips a note to the colleague next to him. It reads, We're dead. Coke's polar bears become one of 1993's most iconic ads. At last, Coke's got an answer to Pepsi's star-studded commercials. But even as Coke celebrates, the golden age of soda is running out of fizz. The century-old cola wars are about to change forever. A storm is brewing, and the first clap of thunder comes from a California schoolteacher. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. 
and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. You're listening to the final episode in our series, Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, Soda in the Bullseye. In our last episode, Coca-Cola dumped its famous formula to launch New Coke. Outraged consumers forced the company to bring back the original formula as Coca-Cola Classic. It did this out of desperation, but the move revitalized Coke's popularity. Now, Pepsi must find a way to regain the upper hand. It's 1999 in a Los Angeles classroom at Venice High School. In Jacqueline Domack's health class, a student's got a question. Ms. Domack, you're saying fruit juice is better for us than soda, right? So why is there no juice in the school vending machines? For a moment, Domack's dumbfounded. It's a very good question, and she doesn't know the answer. So after class... She sends a message to the school finance team asking them to put juice in the machines. The next morning, there's a reply in her mailbox. Sorry, we can't do that. Selling juice would breach our contract with Coca-Cola. Domac can't believe it. So she digs into the issue and what she finds makes her angry. Venice High School is locked into a deal that limits the students' beverage options to Coca-Cola products. And Domac School isn't alone. Almost every high school in America has a similar contract with Pepsi or Coke. Domac leaks the school's contract with Coca-Cola to the Los Angeles Times. When the newspaper exposes the cola giant's iron grip on the school system, it creates a chain reaction of outrage. Campaigns for healthier beverages spring up across the country. Eventually, Domac and her campaigning students persuade the Los Angeles School District to remove soda from vending machines. For Coke and Pepsi, it's just another sign of a growing backlash against their colas. Americans are now the fattest people on earth, and many are blaming soda for the bulging waistlines. Now that America's woken up to its obesity crisis, people are cutting back on the sugary drinks. And that will dramatically change Pepsi and Coke's struggle for supremacy. It's November 2000, and on the executive floor of PepsiCo headquarters in Purchase, New York, 
there's a strange sound. Ears prick up in the offices. Is that raindrops keep falling on my head? The surprised executives don't need to ask who's singing it. There's only one person it could be. Chief Financial Officer Indra Nui. Nui is one of PepsiCo's rising stars. She started her career in the late 70s with a stint at Johnson & Johnson in India, where she's from. She got her MBA from Yale and worked for a number of big firms like Motorola before joining PepsiCo in 1994. As PepsiCo boss Roger Enrico tells it, she's driven, fun, and most crucially of all, she's also got the kind of rare imagination that could reinvent the company. Nui is singing to herself as she wanders barefoot back to her office with a can of Pepsi. The executives shrug and go back to what they were doing. They've grown used to Nui's kooky ways, and besides, they all know she's about to make the most important call of her career so far. After reaching her office, Nui opens her Pepsi, takes a swig, picks up the phone, and calls the chief of Quaker Oats. Pepsi wants to buy Quaker Oats. Not for oatmeal or Captain Crunch. Nah, it wants the neon-colored Gatorade, the hottest sports drink on the market that's hauling in $1.8 billion a year. For months, Pepsi and Quaker have been battling figures back and forth without success. So now, Nui's making one last offer. A good one, she thinks. She calls Quaker Oats chief executive Robert Morrison. Robert, it's Indra. We've got a final offer for you. 2.2% of PepsiCo stock. That'll put Quaker's value at almost $14 billion. That's well above your market valuation. But Morrison knows other companies are waiting in the wings, ready to make a move if PepsiCo's takeover bid fails. I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. We're walking away. For Nui, it's a serious blow. Consumers are moving away from sweetened sodas and salty snacks, the core of PepsiCo's business. She knows Pepsi needs to expand into healthier products. She's already masterminded Pepsi's buyout of Tropicana. Getting Quaker Oats would have been another big step towards her goal. But now, it looks like someone else will get their hands on Quaker Oats. On hearing that Pepsi's bid has fallen through, Coca-Cola's chief executive, Douglas Daft, moves fast. He knows Nestle and others are also eyeing Quaker Oats, beating them to the punch would also be a nice way to end his first year as Coke's top man. Within two weeks, Daft lands Morrison with an offer worth almost $16 billion. All that's left to do is go through the formality of getting Coca-Cola Company's board to sign off on the deal. It's mid-afternoon on November 21st, 2000. Daft's just arrived at the exclusive St. Regis Hotel in Manhattan. Inside, The Coca-Cola company's board is waiting. Across town, Morrison and his Quaker Oats executive team are in the offices of a top New York law firm. They put champagne on ice, so it's ready to pop once they get the call from Daft confirming the deal. Shouldn't take long, Morrison thinks, just a couple of hours. Two hours pass, then three hours, and still no call. The sun starts to set, still nothing. Morrison looks at his watch over and over. It's 8 o'clock. Where the hell is Daft? Back at the St. Regis Hotel, Daft is floundering. He's moved so quick to nab Quaker Oats that this is the first time Coke's board members have heard the details. And this is proving to be a difficult sell. 
Remember what we're about to gain, Gatorade. It's huge already, but once we plug Gatorade into our global distribution network, we're looking at major growth. We've only got one chance to get this. Among those listening to Daft's pitch is Warren Buffett. He's not just a board member. He's Coca-Cola's biggest stockholder. Buffett finishes chewing some C's candies, washes them down with a sip of cherry Coke, and then he rips into the deal. I don't think this is a good idea. Daft's stomach tightens. Sure, we get Gatorade, but we also get Quaker's cereal business. What are we going to do with a bunch of cereals? Also, this deal comes with a whopping tax bill attached. I don't want to give all that money to Uncle Sam. Daft knows he's lost the battle. The board backs Buffett. The Quaker Oats deal is off. When Nui hears of this train wreck, she moves in again and gets her deal. But even as Pepsi expands into healthier products, the cola war rages on. Ever since Coke refreshed its ads with those adorable polar bears, Pepsi's been struggling. It's lost its lead in the supermarkets, and it's been years since Pepsi looked set to topple Coca-Cola. But in 2001, Pepsi is ready to fight back. Enter Britney Spears. It's cost millions to get Britney, but she's perfect for Pepsi. She's young, fun, and has killer hip moves that make her impossible to ignore. Pepsi is hoping for a jolt like it got from Michael Jackson in the 80s. But after a year of Britney commercials, Pepsi's market share edges down. The only comfort, and it's cold comfort, is that Coca-Cola's market share slipped slightly more. Then, Pepsi triples its star power. Britney, Beyonce, and Pink come together for an iconic rendition of Queen's We Will Rock You. And Pepsi's market share still slips. Pepsi just can't seem to break the new stalemate of the Cola Wars. When Nui becomes PepsiCo's chief executive in 2006, reviving Pepsi's fortunes in the U.S. is a top priority. It's October 2007, and Nui's invited Massimo Demore to join her on a stroll through the gardens of an upscale Venice hotel. Demore and Nui go back years. They work together on the takeover of Quaker Oats and to make Pepsi grow faster in Latin America than Coca-Cola. But today, Nui wants to talk about Pepsi USA. We're selling about a third less Pepsi in the U.S. than we did seven years ago. We need to rejuvenate the brand. What would you suggest? Well, the way I see it, playing it safe hasn't worked. If I ran Pepsi in the U.S., I'd tear up the brand and put it back together again. A total brand refresh. And I'd do it fast. Nui smiles. Sounds good. Do you want the job? 
A month later, Demore arrives at Pepsi headquarters. He orders a logo redesign. Gone is the circular red, white, and blue logo. It's replaced by an emoticon-inspired design that looks like a smile on a can of Pepsi. And as the nation settles in with chips and beer in front of the TV for the 2009 Super Bowl showdown between the Steelers and Cardinals, Pepsi offers up more music power. It's an ad starring Bob Dylan and Will I Am introducing Pepsi's new look. May you stay forever young. May you stay forever young. Every generation refreshes the world. Cool. But Demore's big comeback doesn't happen. A year later, Nui tells investors that her goal is to make PepsiCo's healthier products a bigger part of the business than its soda business by 2020. Nui also plays down the Cola War too, dismissing it as a zero-sum game. And that's just as well, because Coke is about to deliver its biggest sucker punch to Pepsi since World War II. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's March 2011, and the soda industry's all shook up. For the first time ever, sales of Diet Coke have surpassed Pepsi in the United States. It's refreshing news for Coke, which now makes the two best-selling soft drinks in America. But it made us wonder, has Pepsi completely gone flat? Joining us, two yes, that's right. Diet Coke's just toppled Pepsi as America's second favorite soda. The reason for Pepsi's fall? Well, that depends on who you ask. But on Wall Street, plenty of fingers are pointing at PepsiCo chief executive Indra Nui. She's been moving PepsiCo away from soda and towards healthier products like hummus, coconut water, and yogurt. Just a month earlier, PepsiCo bought a leading Russian dairy company. But some investors now fear that PepsiCo is sidelining its biggest brand, Pepsi-Cola. Among them is Nelson Peltz. He's a billionaire activist investor, a corporate raider. He prowls the stock markets looking for underperforming companies. Once he targets one of these companies, he invests heavily and then 
pushes managers to revamp the business in ways that will give him the biggest return. And now, Peltz has PepsiCo in his sights. In late 2012, Peltz's investment fund pumps hundreds of millions of dollars into buying PepsiCo stock. A few months later, the 71-year-old activist investor meets Nui to set out his plan for PepsiCo. Now, the way I see it, PepsiCo has got two businesses, a growth business and a cash business. The snacks are the growth business. Huge potential for growth there, right? The cash business is Pepsi, the beverage company. It makes lots of money, but it's just not growing because people just don't drink soda like they used to in my day. So Pepsi is suffering because it's funding the growth business. They'd be better off apart. I want to split PepsiCo in two. Well, that's exactly the play Nui expected from Pels. He did the same thing to Kraft just last year. She knows he won't give up easily. He sunk more than a billion dollars into PepsiCo stock, and he wants a big return on that. But Nui's not about to break PepsiCo in two. Snacks and drinks belong together. Selling both gives us a lot more clout with retailers. Pelt shakes his head. Indra, the bottom line is Pepsi is your biggest product. But it's losing ground to Coke because Coca-Cola has one focus. Beverages. Pepsi's ad budget used to match Coca-Cola's. But now, Coke's outspending Pepsi by $100 million a year. No way is Nui going to let some corporate raider roll over her just so he can make a fast buck. So she makes sure Peltz knows she's ready to fight. Coca-Cola's still primarily a soda company, but people are drinking less and less soda. We're building a business that isn't trapped in a declining market. Your plan is wrong for PepsiCo. The pair lock horns for months. Peltz usually works behind the scenes, but PepsiCo's management is united against him. So... He goes public. Company. So this ongoing battle between Nelson Pels and Pepsi escalating a bit right now. Again, Pels saying he has taken his case already to some of the largest shareholders in Pepsi, and he has gotten a positive response from them. He is going to be, in his words, relentless in the coming weeks in speaking to more of them. So we'll Pels tries to rally investors, arguing that Pepsi is missing profit targets and its share price is stagnating. He tells stockholders they'd profit by breaking up the company. Nui counters with a major review of PepsiCo's operations and quickly roots out waste, and that boosts the company's bottom line and its share price. And there's more good news for Nui. In early 2015, sales of Diet Coke drop as consumers shun artificially sweetened drinks as well as sugary soda. That opens the way for Pepsi to reclaim its position as America's number two soda, while growing its array of healthier options. Soon after, Peltz and Nui agree to a truce. Peltz fails to split PepsiCo, but he's happy anyway. The pressure he put on PepsiCo has upped its performance and its share price. In 2016, Peltz sells his entire stake in PepsiCo. He walks away with a 50% return on his billion-dollar investment. While Nui's embracing healthier products, Coca-Cola's taking a different approach. You see, Coke's not ready to give up on pop. Soda still makes up three-quarters of Coca-Cola's business. That's compared to less than a quarter of PepsiCo's. So Coke's got to find creative ways to squeeze more growth out of cola. 
then Coke does something novel. Remember Pepsi's twice as much for a nickel campaign way back when? Well, Coke just turns that idea on its head. Coca-Cola introduces seven and a half ounce mini cans of Coke. The smaller cans cost slightly more per ounce and appeal to customers who want a Coke, but not too much Coke. And folks go for it. But wait, there's more. In Australia, Coca-Cola's marketing gurus unleash one of the greatest promotions of the 2010s. Last September, in the dead of night, the world's most iconic brand did the unthinkable and took an entire country by surprise. 150 of Australia's most popular names appeared on millions of bottles of Coke. Why? Because in the previous month alone, 50% of teens and young adults hadn't even tasted a Coke. We had to reconnect with Australia. So we decided to get personal. The Share a Coke campaign soon goes global. People start shopping for Coke bottles bearing their names. Bob, Jan, Alex... Its marketing campaign fires up followers on social media, and the Coke ad is flashed on electronic billboards in busy city districts. This neat little trick pushes Coca-Cola's U.S. sales up for the first time in years. And then, in January 2017, Coca-Cola takes aim at cola-resistant millennials with four new flavors twisted mango, ginger lime, feisty cherry, and zesty blood orange. It's another home run for Coca-Cola. For the first time in seven years, Diet Coke sales in the U.S. are up. Pepsi has to respond. So, it tries to reconnect with its base, the young. Some said never, but they never done come. In April 2017, Pepsi launches a commercial that stuns the nation for all the wrong reasons. America's in turmoil following a spate of police killings of black people. Police and Black Lives Matter protesters around the country are in near daily standoffs. And into this storm, Pepsi sends Kendall Jenner, a model and half-sibling of the famous for being famous Kardashian sisters. In the commercial, Jenner joins a crowd of young and racially diverse protesters as they face off with a wall of police officers. It echoes the real-life protests happening across the nation. Smiling, Jenner holds out a can of Pepsi to one officer. There's a what's-gonna-happen-next moment. The cop guzzles down the Pepsi as police and protesters cheer. Pepsi thinks this ad might unite the world with its message of peace, much like Coca-Cola's Flower Power Hilltop ad of 1971. Well, Pepsi's ad does unite the world, in condemnation of its tone-deaf effort to co-opt a social movement. Literally, Pepsi just used Kendall Jenner to co-opt the resistance to sell a freaking can of soda, okay? And the commercial centered a white woman in the middle of the movement when it's black women and brown women and brown men and black men who are putting their bodies on the line. I cannot. One pundit on social media sums up the reaction with a searing tweet that reads, It's a unique skill to have hashtag boycott Pepsi trending among both the right and the left. Pepsi yanks its Jenner ad within 24 hours. Despite the social media fury, 
Pepsi's misfire has little impact on PepsiCo's stock price, sales, or profits. That would have been unthinkable in the 1980s as Pepsi and Coke's battle reached its peak. But times have changed. It's not just about colas going head-to-head. Today, the battlefield is much bigger. Coke and Pepsi wrestle for dominance in every pocket of the soft drinks market, from soda and bottled water to sports drinks and juice. These battle-scarred rivals are now fighting for a much bigger business war across several fronts. They want to be your choice of beverage and maybe even the snacks you have with it. Pepsi might have lost the cola war, but it reckons it's got the head start over Coke in the new beverage wars, thanks to brands like Gatorade and Aquafina bottled water. And there's little sign Pepsi will give up on its push beyond soda now, even with Nui stepping down in October 2018. Coca-Cola might have cemented its status as the number one cola maker, but now, just like Pepsi, it's talking about weaning itself off of soda, the source for most of its revenue, within a decade. And this realignment, with Coke and Pepsi both trying to corner the healthy beverage market, well, this is setting the stage for an even bigger, higher stakes war. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Business Wars. And we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. And you'll also see some offers from our sponsors. We hope you can support our show by supporting them. Now, if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating and maybe tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Another way to support us is to answer a short survey at Wondery.com survey. And don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. He's the author of Fizz, How Soda Shook Up the World. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Jenny Lauer is our producer. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Marshall Louie is the executive producer. And Business Wars was created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wondery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now.